Gaga there, Alejandro on this 3CR subscriber drive. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. I am honoured to have trans sociologist and activist and Bent TV presenter Ricky Spencer on the line. Hello, Ricky. Hi. It's so wonderful to hear your voice. You are always so active in the community. What have you been up to uh, in the few months since we last spoke? Look, the first thing I want to say to everybody is a big shout-out to everyone who's attending the Better Together conference in Adelaide. I'm so sorry I couldn't attend it, but I was just being worn out from the um, travelling to Canberra, where I attended a two-day national volunteering conference uh, for Australia's volunteering. And it was important because it sets out the new uh, strategy for volunteering in Australia for the next 10 years. And I was very... Oh, sorry, I wanted to make sure that we had our LGBTIQ uh, space um, and inclusion in all volunteering spaces to be uh, recognised and making sure that um, people who attended understood what diversity is. So the conference, I was very happy, did have uh, a day where we were able to talk about the importance of disability and inclusion um, with a focus on how how to work effectively in our communities. Absolutely. And, of course, so many community organisations are driven by volunteers. 3CR, of course, is, is one of them. It keeps us on the airwaves. Uh, what were some of the issues that arose at the conference about disability and inclusion? Such an important yeah. area. Yeah, an important thing to know is that, you know, we've all been impacted by COVID, you know, in the last couple of years. And it's it's quite clear that, you know, as a result of, you know, what has taken place, uh, you know, with, with COVID impacting our community, especially losing loved ones and our health and long-term effects of uh, long COVID, that volunteerism has dropped off quite a lot. Um, but also uh, across all sectors, but more so for our, our community. You know, we have to work and support our older community you know, who are in um, aged care settings and those who are trying to live independently. Um, We need to have more to build up our volunteer workforce. And, you know, we're just talking about, you know, in those spaces, how we can engage and and really support volunteers across the health spaces especially and also getting people, young people, to get into that space and how important it is. Because, you know, volunteering, you know, isn't just about being a certain age. You know, volunteering for me now is a part of my life. I love it. Um, it gives me a sense of, oh, sorry, I get teary. I did. And we need to keep volunteering because I don't want to see what happened in the 80s and 90s when we lost so many loved ones to HIV and AIDS and the stigma. And now, if, you know, I know there's been in our community people who have lost because of COVID. But we have to keep going on because we need to build up our community. Mm. 
Absolutely, Ricky. And of course, you have decades of experience. You lived through the HIV AIDS crisis in the 80s. You saw the the devastation in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and you've been with the community ever since and mm. nurturing the community. But it really just shows that, you know, we really need volunteers and we really need people with a sense of history within our volunteer organisations in order to, to nourish them. Absolutely. And, and I always say to people, you know, you have so much to offer. Even if you can offer um, one hour, you know, to visit someone, that is quality because you are bringing life to somebody who may not have access or may not be able to, to, you know, to be able to independently go to a space or a place and really giving to the community. And now with our, you know, digital spaces, you can do volunteering remotely. So there are so many options available to people. And, you know, that's, I guess, my big push today to people to consider, you know, a new year. How can I give back to the community? You know, what can I do for the community? Because when you volunteer, you actually get tenfold back because you make friends. And more importantly, you feel you're doing something valuable. Ricky, last time we spoke, you had just been involved in the first meeting uh, that Trans Voices Victoria had with a federal politician, which is all about talking to federal MPs and giving trans people a seat at the table. What's happening on that front? Look, we're still working, and you know, there's been, you know, there's been some changes in terms of we saw, you know, in different politics spaces, and we're still going on because, you know. There is so much more to do, you know. Uh, we still have to address, you know, what's happening with the religious education bill because that is still being slightly reintroduced. Um, there is talk behind the scenes of, you know, even the Labor government sort of saying, well, let's see how we can bring a little bit of this in. And, you know, that does impact, as you know, our community, especially the community I'm, I'm part of, which is the transgender-diverse community, uh, in school spaces because... You know, any mention of any form of regulated control of what we can say and do will impact our young people and their well-being. So, you know, that to me is something that, you know, we need to, to be on, on top of. But one thing I want to quickly say to everyone, I'm so excited to announce that we've now formed a new space and we're having a launch in April. And that's the uh, LG, oh, sorry, Rainbow Voices, People Living with Disability. Um, LGBTIQ community in Victoria. That's going to be launched in the Pride Centre in April, so I'm so excited because I'm the co-chair with Jack. Um, and we're excited to really bring life and visibility to those of us living with disabilities in our community in Victoria. Oh, wow, that is a scoop, and it sounds like a great platform. Look, it's going to be... I think it's the first time in Australia where we're going to be bringing in a lot of information and services in the one space and really... You know, looking after our community, you know, in terms of good sexual health, in terms of what accessibility looks like and should look like, in terms of access keys, which I'll talk next time about. But, you know, also the importance of, you know, feeling connected, you know, through a space and a place and virtually. And, you know, having our unique identities and intersectionalities celebrated, you know, in a community, in a care-based community. Absolutely. And of course, you mentioned a really important issue that's often overlooked, and that is the sexual health of people with disabilities. It's often something that's very much overlooked, especially, you know, within our community. So it's great that you're actually empowering people around that important topic. Oh, look, 
that's, that's, that's one of my key projects that I'm working on this year. And I'm just commenced working with um, Western Sydney University on the first project ever in Australia, which is the Australian Health Research Alliance National Women's Health Research Translation and Impact Network. And what it is is that we're looking specifically at LGBTIQ women, so including uh, women like myself who are trans, gender diverse, sexual health. And we're looking at establishing, you know, ways of working in our community to make sure that health service providers in Australia understand our needs in terms of how to work more effectively and most importantly, respectively, I'll just say that word correctly, uh, respectfully uh, with us, to work with us alongside us, to hear what works well for with us and to make sure that all of us have access to the, the most optimum health care so we can live and contribute back to the community. So I'm really excited about that. And, and it's the first time looking at women's sexuality through a disability lens. And how empowering, you know, because once again, that's another issue that doesn't get much focus. Gee, you're really going for it at the moment and you're really shining a light on so many important topics. Um, where do you get the energy from? Oh, look, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm recommencing my studies back at Melbourne Uni and I've just sort of thought, you know, at my age, it's like I feel like I've got more energy. I, you know, it's, it, to me, activism is about doing, you know. You know, I, I, I'm not just there talking. I actually believe in actually going and doing things in the field to bring back to make some, you know, effective change. Because what we do need is to make sure that all the different people in power whatever levels they are, they understand that we do need a space and place and to really make sure when we're accessing health services especially that they do understand. So when you go into a hospital space, you want to feel welcome. You know, you want to feel included. You want to feel that you're going to be respected and valued and if you have a disability like myself, that it's going to be that you can get into the building um, as best you can with as much support as you can and not to feel as though it's another barrier you have to get through or feel unsafe because people around you are, are making fun of you. So I'm all about you know, giving all of us a space in accessing good uh, services or whatever service we need to access that we can all have the right to being respected. And we all, you know, and I think if by having, you know, when you respect our community, you respect all communities, and that's how I look at it. Making culturally safe for one community, then just like I said, as like a flow of, of river. You know, it flows to everyone. And it's a real window of opportunity at the moment when so many organisations are wanting to, you know, um, court the LGBTIQ community, the First Nations community, the disability community, the trans community. Um, you know, this era won't last forever. So it's really important that people like yourselves, you know, um, take advantage of those ears that want to listen to create change. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm always looking to, you know, support younger people and mentor you know, and I'm, I'm very privileged to be part of the Pinnacle Foundation where I'm mentoring a younger uh, gender-diverse person, you know, who wants to get into the health promotion space. And it's all about giving and, you know, helping the next generations come along the journey. And from whatever I'm privileged to be able to do, I love passing it on to others so that they can take the lead. And then we can say, yes, we've accomplished this or we're getting to a space now where people are actually listening 
and really taking that into account into changing policies. You know, so I'm 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 always excited that you know, you know I always try and see the positive side of things because I do believe that if you can speak up in any which way you can, you can make a difference. You know, it's just about getting yourself out there and believing in yourself and believing in your cause. And I love your community development focus, Vicky, because you're all about kind of, you know, nurturing organisations mm-hmm. when they start to give them the resources and the tools to flourish. And then you move on to a new organisation and resource them. You know, it's a very community development philosophy. Absolutely. And it's about like, you know, I, I, I worked so long and I loved my time at Thorn Harbour Health. And I thought, you know what, it's time to, to give someone else a go and build that space. And one of the other areas that I've now took on this year and last year has been at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and I'm very passionate about um, being you know, involved in putting a lens into trans and gender diverse uh, consumers who use that space and people with disabilities because I really want the hospital and the new hospital that's being built to really embrace accessibility and really embrace diversity. So we've got so many exciting projects that we're going to be trying to implement in that space in the next coming two years to really make our whole community feel that you can go into a space that if you are in a crisis and feel that you don't have to justify who you are, that the forms will be accessible, that you will be respected and your partner or partners will be respected and valued as the as the primary support people around you. So, you know, watch this space because there are changes happening. It's just a, a, It just takes time, as you know. And I love how you're proactive as well. You're not just, you know, sitting back and being reactive, which is a trap that we sometimes fall into in the activist space, reacting to what other people try to do to define us and box us in. You know, you're actually being proactive and, 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 and tackling agendas that are positive and constructive to get that, that airspace, if you like, and that focus of resources. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the whole thing with my, my, my research that I'm writing in the chapter on building uh, allyship and building partnerships. You know, yes, I'm about disrupting, you know, heteronormative and ableism and transphobia and racism, but, you know, that is part... The journey is that, well, once you raise it, you've got to then show people a pathway or an alternative to working together collectively. You know, it's not about a singular voice. It's a collection of voices and a collection of diversities that, that make us grow... And I'm all about, you know, I need to be able to speak to the person that opposes me the most or opposes what I'm representative so I can understand what is it that you fear about us or what is it that you don't understand or dislike so then we can see if we can reach a common ground because it's through that coming together at least we can understand. And they may never accept you know, a certain aspect of ourselves or a certain, you know, aspect to what we do. But at least if they understand, they do not need to fear us. All we want, you know, always have said my mantra has been everybody has the right to access to resources in the community and has the right, to, if they wish to raise their hand, to be given an opportunity to step up and lead. You know, it's all about giving every person who wishes an opportunity to lead or to have a say to give that, to give them that um, opportunity. And how do you, you know, find people react when you frame it around, well, what do you fear? Look, you're going to get all types of response. Sometimes people just presume that you're going to be coming across, you know, 
in an argumentative or closed mind approach. And I always have, you know, maybe it might be my age, I don't know. But for me, it's actually listening. You know, I always throw back to the person, tell me a little bit about what you, what do you see are the issues of concern. Because you need to know what are your opponents thinking. What is it that they, what is it in their language is telling you that they most feel that they can't connect to or feel that you're trying to take something away? Because, you know, that's the language I'm hearing. It's always about well, what are you taking away from me? You know, and that's not that's not how it is. There's so much. The world is infinitive. You know, yes, we have problems with in terms of using our natural environment, but in terms of a space to talk and to share, there is it's in, there is endless. Everyone can have a space, but for some reason, people's minds are trapped into thinking if I let this person speak, or if I let this this person with a disability who's trans to come into this space they're going to take that platform away from, from me. And we need to challenge that and to say, no, we're just adding another voice. We're just adding more to the party. We're adding more to the conversation. And that's what I'm hoping eventually that schools will adopt that kind of approach to allow people like myself who are trans and gender diverse with disabilities to be allowed to teach in schools so that young people coming through can see that you can be whoever you want to be and still be a good human being. Ricky, do you feel like you're having an impact in that space? Do you feel like schools are more embracing now of diversity when it comes to teachers? Um, at this point, I have to say no, because, again, you know, it's still, we're still looking at, you know, from a student's perspective, and I understand that, but it's still very difficult for teachers to come out to say, yes, I'm transgender or, yes, I'm gender diverse because you're working in a system that was primarily set up 200 years ago on a binary system, you know, where uniformality, even through the uniforms and the presentation, is what a lot of schools still adhere to. And a lot of people are attracted to that type of work because it reinforces those sorts of stereotypes and ways of working. So what I'm trying to do, and there are new researchers coming through, like myself and, and colleagues who have you know, completed their PhDs in the field, who are saying that slowly now, schools are slowly starting to embrace a bit of um, creativity and opening up the curriculum to allowing diverse ideas. But it's still the stranglehold that until we can actually see the day a principal who comes out to say, yes, I'm trans or I've or I have a disability, or I'm gender diverse, or I'm queer, that's when I feel that we are making progress. When the powers at the, that level come through, and, and, it's, and it will allow, and that parents think, you know what, all I care about is my child having the best education, the best teacher who cares about the students. That's what the focus should be on. It should not be judging on, oh, this person's too fat, this person can't walk, this person's too gender diverse. We should not, these are not the questions that we should be looking at, you know. It should be looking about the quality of the human being that brings to work. Absolutely. We need more pathways for more trans people to be in positions of leadership, and that includes in politics as well. We need yeah. more trans politicians. I don't think there's many in this country. No, and because you've noticed that, 
you know, I had been involved in politics for a while now, and the problem is that whenever any of us try and step up to the table, we need to step down because people attack us on just that, you know, and that, that doesn't allow for discussion about policy. You know, if you focus because people, some people are so fixated on the fact that how dare someone who's trans even be allowed to speak, they can't deal with them. And that fear and hatred is so strong and that really takes away from, because, you know, politics is all cycle-driven in terms of having to get information and policy ideas out in a short space of time. And if you're having constantly being attacked for who you are, it takes away from the issues of the party and that's what makes it difficult. And that's why it really is so hard for any politician or any person who is gender diverse to come out as gender diverse in in a political um, uh, space because it's so easy for the opponent to attack the person on that as opposed to looking at the policy, what they're talking about, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Now, Ricky, I have to ask, you are a bit TV uh, host. You do oh, have yes. your own show. What is happening with Quest oh, for Community? Can I say, I am so excited. You know, I've got an interview tomorrow with um, an author, Jasper, and they're talking about transparenting. And I am so excited because when I read the book, it, it just, I thought, oh, my God, I want this book to be in every high school, every primary school and every healthcare setting. It's called You'll Be a Wonderful Parent by Jasper Peach. So I'm so excited to be interviewing them on their book and their launch of writing for Parent Transparenting. Um, you know, and we've got so many amazing guests coming this year, you know, to give people a platform of voice, you know, and... You know, and it's not about anybody. You don't have to be a writer. You don't, you could be somebody who's just from the community. And I previously interviewed a fabulous person by the name of Ken, you know, who lived a life of, you know, he had a lot of difficulties coming out as a trans man. But you know what? To hear this story, that should be, I think, next Friday that's going to be coming out, or maybe this Friday night. That story, you know, to see what it's like to finally... And he found love in terms of the building of the Pride Centre. The Pride Centre is like his friend. And, oh, I was just... I feel I'm so privileged because here am I, a 40, 50, sorry, a 54-year-old trans um, person with disability, and I'm so lucky to be talking and meeting people and hearing their stories of love and courage. And, you know, what more could you ask for in this world? Absolutely. Ricky Spencer, it is always a joy to hear your voice on 3CR. It's always wonderful to hear you thriving and doing so much for the community. Thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR. And James, thank you so much for offering the opportunity and thank you for, for you know, clearing the airways. You know, you are such a person that we have all listened to for many years and giving people like myself an opportunity to connect with the community. Thank you. And thank you, 3CR. Oh, our pleasure. Love your work, Ricky, and we'll chat soon. Bye. The wonderful Ricky Spencer there. It is Subscriber Drive. You are on In Your Face on 3CR. CR needs members to survive. By becoming a subscriber, you're helping us to remain fiercely independent and free of commercials and corporate influence. Are you a paid-up subscriber? It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, 
$150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Great value for 24-7 community owned and community controlled media. Please become a subscriber member today. Call the station on 03 9419 8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward subscribe. Like, oh, bass. Cool. You know how you make the bass better? Crank the bass up. Yeah. You know how to make the kick drum better? Crank the bass up. <laughs> and it's like, no, not really.
from her hit movie, The Rose, Bette Midler there, Midnight in Memphis. We also heard from Tame Impala with Glimmer on this 3CR subscriber drive. So this is in the middle of the pandemic where this billionaire is suing the Pentagon for a military contract for what most people think is the place that you order books from. It's a very interesting case study in pulling out the different threads of militarism and how it can really be embedded in so many aspects of our lives that we don't even realize that when we order something from Amazon that we're putting workers' lives at risk and that we're supporting what is becoming becoming an increasingly important actor in the military-industrial complex. Exposing that to people, I think, is very important. People will care if they understand that this is how things are all interconnected and linked. It's surfacing that information, it's making that accessible and making it relevant for people's lives. And I think that is another opportunity that COVID-19 really presents to us is that we are all connected and these structures are all connected. We can see that much more clearly now than we could before. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 Just let me while you ain't never let me grow When I look outside 
from her album Deluxe, Rihanna there with Consideration. You are in your face on 3CR. Up next, Kaya Mercedes to chat about her album Hindsight. And uh, here's the title track. Two kids play pretend, broken bones on the mend We were doing just fine Hard night, lost summer, old heart New lover, put myself on the line Same mistakes, but different faces Knuckles played the day who plays us Twist a knife, fell from night too many times In hindsight, it was twisted reality Throwing stones at the mirror
from her album Hindsight. That was Kaya Mercedes with the title track Hindsight. And Kaya joins us on the line. Kaya, welcome back to the show. Hi, it's so good to be back. It's so great to hear your music. It's so great to hear Hindsight from your debut album. Tell us about that track. What's it all about? It's all about looking back at an experience and seeing things from a different perspective. I I really wanted that, that track to encapsulate the idea of the album because the album as a whole is about looking back at things. And so this title track really reflects the whole meaning of, you know, seeing something, whether it's because you're older or just wiser. Um, that's what hindsight's all about. Yeah, and that really comes across with the album. It is very reflective, uh, very mature songwriting for a 16-year-old, but just so beautifully crafted, and the, and the songs just flow so well. Yeah, thank you so much. So tell us about the songwriting. Like, you you are a prolific songwriter. Um, it's, it's It can't have been by chance that this beautifully crafted album came together. You must have spent so much time on the songs, or did they just flow really easily? Or, yeah, tell us about it. I mean, I ended up writing dozens more songs than actually made it onto the album, but the first song I wrote for this album was We Run Anyway which I wrote when I was 13. And I had no idea that I was even going to start writing an album then. That wasn't even a thought that I was close to having. That came maybe a year later when I had a whole collection of songs with similar meanings by that point. But, I mean, the songs, the best songs that I write tend to just flow and just happen, like they fall out of you. But, yeah, I spent weeks, months, years writing this album and... Yeah, I, I love it with my whole heart. It's amazing that you write so many songs, and I sensed that. I thought, wow, there must be a smorgasbord of tracks that she could have selected. But also you beautifully curated the album as, as, as well. Was it kind of fun picking which ones were going to stay in the album and which ones to perhaps keep up your sleeve for later? Yeah, it's definitely always um, fun to do that. You try and create a story with the tracks that you do choose to keep on. But it's, um, I like being able to, like, my friends who love my music, I like being like, oh, this track that I could have put on the album, but I didn't, you know, and you'll never hear it. But <laughs> I like to sort of tease them with that. Um, it's And it's quite fun to have ones that I can pull out with performances and stuff as well. I just, I love curating albums and coming up with these things. Tell us about the performance front, what's planned, what's coming up. So I'm actually playing at Frank's to Waterfront Festival tomorrow on the emerging stage which is so exciting it's the first festival i ever played last year and so it's good to be back for the second year in a row and then i'm also playing um sanford bush festival in march on labor day weekend fantastic that's so exciting that you actually have played at some of these festivals before and you're coming back um you know young performer old soul yeah it, it's so good that they think of me when they're choosing their lineups, like I'm just so honored to be asked to perform again. Um, I love performing. And so I'm so glad that I get to do this as my job. Do you find too that you kind of come up with a different interpretation of the song or a different kind of, you know, understanding of its complexity when you're performing it in front of an audience and you sense their reactions? 100%. Like when you're in the studio, you're crafting a piece of work that's going to sustain itself and be permanently like that out in the world on the internet forever 
Um, and so it's very different to when it's just me with my guitar or with my piano and my own voice. Like, it's a very raw version. It's I usually perform them almost exactly the way I wrote it. So it's very much in the feeling of the song when I perform them live. Now, I've got to ask you about the recording. Was there any one track on Hindsight on the new album that kind of is really special to you? I think um, The Days You Remember, probably, because there's a part in the song that is kind of, I, I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but it's um, one of my favourite parts is right the, I think between the first and second line of the second verse, I actually found an old video of one of me and my one of my friends from when we were both 13 years old. Um, we were both, it's just a random video of us laughing in the kitchen and I actually got a snippet of it and hit it between the words um, because I wrote those lyrics about her and I can hear it every time I listen to that song because I know it's there um, and that's probably why I love that song so much. And that's such a beautiful story. And I imagine you've got a few beautiful stories about your songs. Tell us some more. Tell us some stories behind some of the other tracks on Hindsight. Well, The Days to Remember definitely has the most stories because it's about my friends. And making that music video was very special because I got to do it with the people I wrote the song about. But um, Red String, if the final track on the album was, oh my gosh, I loved putting that one together. Just the orchestral arrangement. So incredibly fun to do um and listening to it back is so insane but I actually um sent when I first wrote that song I actually sent it to some friends who were getting married overseas during COVID um on the morning of their wedding and then they were the first people that I played the finished track um a few years later and so I every time I listen to that song I think of them as well which is something I really love connecting that track to and what a beautiful wedding present for them. They must have been so honoured and touched. Yeah, I, I have actually also written a song for another wedding, which I'm going to next week. So I'm going to be showing them something like that. Um, so I, I don't know. It's very beautiful when you give someone a piece of artwork, I think. Absolutely. Now, speaking of beautiful things, there is a track on Hindsight called Beautiful Thing. Uh, I love it. Tell us about it. That is actually one of my favorite tracks, um, but I I love performing that one live. That one is one I love to perform with my guitar because, I don't know, playing it is so fun. Um, I wrote it about the feeling of, like, falling for someone or having a crush, but then being too scared to do anything about it because you're afraid of getting hurt, which is sort of um, one of the scars that you've gotten from being hurt, which is what the album Hindsight's about. That's, like, the aftermath of it. And, oh my gosh, I love that track and putting it together is so fun. It's very different from when we first started recording because we removed a whole bunch of guitar tracks to come up with that finished product. Um, But I love that track so much. I'm so glad that you like that. Yeah, it really jumped out to me. And I thought, you know, it must be, there must be a story behind that one. Of course there is. But that's the thing about your songwriting. There's always beautiful stories behind them. And you're so in touch with the emotion and the experience. Thank you so much. So what's happening on the music video front? I'm not working on anything at the moment, but um, I'm releasing lyric videos for some of my tracks from Hindsight. And, you know, my music videos for Hindsight are still doing so well, which I'm so happy about. I'm so thankful that people are appreciating this work because music videos are so 
incredibly fun to make. Um, and when I write songs, I plan music videos in my head just for fun because I see them, my songs visually, but I'm so glad that people are appreciating the work that I'm putting out there for those videos. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get working on another one. And I bet you you're working on a new album as well. I mean, you're always writing songs. What's happening on the new album front? I have been going into the studio a little bit. Um, I've recorded one track so far, so I don't have any dates set in stone for any releases yet, but um, I'm hoping to get something out there later in the year. So um, definitely keep your uh, eyes out for it. Um, Yeah, I'm very excited for this new stuff I'm working on. It's a little bit different, which is cool. Oh, wow, so you've got a follow-up single already recorded for, you know, a follow-up to the album, Hindsight. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get working on things pretty quickly. <laughs> so tell us how that track's different and what's it called? The, the track is called Hide With Me and it's different because I'm kind of taking a shift in the genre. I will always write in a sort of indie folk pop style on my guitar, but I'm definitely going into the more pop realm for this album. So it's really clear in both the melodies and the production style. And I'm working with completely new people for this album as well. So my producer, Tali Mack, she is doing such an incredible job with my vision. Like I'm, I love going into the studio with her. Um, So yeah, I think definitely shifting more into a pop direction for this next album, which is so fun to be able to play around with. And how astute of you to go in that new direction, which is something that often you need to do with that second album, you know, to go somewhere that kind of really surprises people. But it sounds like you're loving doing pop. I am. I, I always knew when I, like, even before I released Hindsight, that I wanted to really play around with genre every single time I did an album. I wanted my work to be varied and different. And pop is something I've always enjoyed listening to, mainly because of Taylor Swift. But um. I, I, I've been really loving playing around with the different elements of the pop style, which is so great. You've really mastered the beautiful acoustic sound on Hindsight. Now, I do love Beautiful Thing, and uh, I've actually got it lined up to play now. Kaya, it's been so wonderful to talk to you again and to hear about your incredible journey and to celebrate Hindsight with you. What an extraordinary debut album from a 16-year-old. It's truly divine. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you so much. It's always lovely to talk to you. Cheers, and have uh, have fun on stage over the weekend. I will, thank you. The wonderful Kaya Mercedes there. And yeah, here's her track from Hindsight, Beautiful Thing. We were built to be broken There's only nature plain Love's a joke and I know it But I can't help the rush When I see your face It's the orphic color of your eyes That keeps me up at night A truth that I can't fight But I hope you just walk by And leave me mesmerized This may be pure Nothing can 
Mercedes there, beautiful thing. And we will catch you next week on your face. And yeah, please subscribe to 3CR. Hey! Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMAC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mōbōhina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio. Your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377.
In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.